0: Good morning. (laughs) It is good to be together and to worship the Lord. We've gathered today from uh, all the places that we gather from. And I'll be leading us through the service. There's a lot going on and a lot of new things. But it's a good time to stop even now. We're all aware of the significance of this date. It's September 11. And my guess is that many of us remember a morning and a story. it's different for each one of us, and life has certainly moved on with consequences and decisions, actions, reactions. But in the midst of all this going on in history, you'll hear me talk about that later, somehow, somewhere, in some way that we're all trying to understand and cooperate with, God, from the upper story, is at work in our time. So I welcome you on this September 11th, I have a good friend, she was an elder in my church, and. Fredericksburg, Virginia. Um, She had a daughter born on September 11th. Her husband died unexpectedly on September 11th. And there was also something else that happened in her life. Each of these days will mean something different to each one of us, and yet here we are. It's good to gather and to remember, but to know the goodness of God to seek His purpose. Our call to worship this morning, I've chosen uh, five verses from Psalm 148. I've set them up responsively. So as I read, if uh, you would respond, I'll begin. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights above. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His heavenly hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens, and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for His hand they were created. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our first hymn this morning is number 551. Stand with us and sing uh, as you're able. Uh, Let's sing together. Amen and amen. Have a seat, if you would, please. Well, good morning. Uh, Once again, we've gathered. I'm glad to welcome those of you who've been able to join us here on site in the sanctuary as we kind of kick off the fall season. And for those who led us into your space to be with you by way of either the live stream or the recording, thank you that what God is doing here in this place in this moment you're allowing us to bring to you right where you are i'm thankful that the holy spirit is not hindered by time or place for his marvelous So we can join in that way very glad for that lots of things going on today let me touch a number of them first right after this service there'll be a coffee fellowship there in the library uh the sermon q a after that 10 15 in the uh, classroom number one downstairs i've got a guest uh, speaker. Pastor Darwin, who was a delegate to the General Senate of the CRC, will be there to kind of share his reflections and time on that if you have questions for him. Be aware that this coming Wednesday, we're doing our carnival, a dinner, and kind of a kickoff for Wednesday night activities, Gems and cadets. Uh, The week after that, we start community night, which has various groups and ministry stuff. Next Sunday, communion. Be sure to prepare your heart this weekend. The Sunday after that, uh, Tunnel Park barbecue picnic, wow. So all of this is in the email, make sure you pick up on this. This is one of the slides I'm excited about. Either stay or come back, about 12 or 12.30, we'll be doing a fundraising pig roast for Mika's lunch. You can have great barbecue and help feed kids through, and schools in Dominican Republic. So we'll be doing that. They'll uh, turn around the great room after fusion and be a part there next thing we're doing this is a start for a series we're doing it'll cover 31 weeks we'll take some breaks but we're going to preach through the chapters of this book the story which is kind of a editing the narrative of the whole bible so we're with me on this 31 chapters you'll get the narrative of the whole scripture it drops out things like genealogies the repeats of kings from kings and chronicles that sort of thing focuses on the ongoing story and picks up there's you can sign up for them out in the hallway um five dollars for a hardback book can't beat that deal can you the other thing that's happening today is th- things with our children's ministry. Um, we've gotten accustomed to later on having the kids join me here. We're going to view a video together for families um, and for all of us focused on the scripture from which I preach, then I will preach, they will head downstairs for a um, Children's time, uh, K through three, and we'll have somebody leading them down as part of that so they can safely navigate. So we're picking back up to some of the regular uh, activities. Park to Park, our fundraiser for Neighbors Plus, the Deacon Diaconal Ministry of Heart Awake, so that um, we need volunteers for that beautiful Saturday, September 24. I always sign up. There's nothing more inspiring my exercise routine than to watch people <laughs> exercise. You know, it's like work. I tell folks here all the time, I love work. I could watch it for hours. Keep it up. Um, the other thing I'm very excited about, uh, we will be uh, receiving the choir and orchestra of the Holland Box Society on Sunday, November 13th. It's a regular service of celebration. But their desire and what we hope to do is take the, the worship music of J.S. Bach. You know, 75% of the music that he wrote, he wrote for the worship of a local congregation like us. And so we want to take that and set it back where he wrote it for. Bach, in a sense, is the musical flower of Martin Luther and the Reformation. And so I'll be sharing on that in that day. It's just a very exciting sort of thing. So big day, be aware of that as it comes. And finally, our connect card. If you'll text the word connect to this number, we'll be able to um, send you a form that'll let you uh, share with me. If you'd like me to give you a call, Um, if you'd like to take me to a Lions game or something like that, we can make those arrangements. None of you are going to Lions games? Oh, okay. Well, anyhow, lets you connect. Um, one of the things we celebrate here at Hardawike is we seek to be rooted. We, we're not trying to invent a new religion, we're trying to be faithful in our day to what the book of Jude refers to as this, the faith handed down once and for all faithful in our day to what Jesus did for all humanity at the cross and one way we do that is to use the Heidelberg Catechism this month we'll be looking at question 26 it kind of connects with um the scripture we're looking at today in particular let me start with this question what do you believe when you say and this is from the Apostles Creed I believe in God the Father Almighty creator of heaven and earth your answer that the Eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who out of nothing created heaven and earth and all that is in them, and who still upholds and governs them, His eternal counsel and providence is for the sake of Christ His Son, my God and my Father. In Him I trust so completely as to have no doubt that He will provide me with all things necessary for body and soul, and will also turn to my good whatever adversity He sends me in this life of sorrow. He is able to do so as Almighty God, and willing also as a faithful father." May that be birthed in our hearts and lives. Uh, Hymn number 624 is not what my hands have done. As you're able, stand and let's sing to the Lord. Amen, and have a seat if you would. Uh, Pastor Mary is no longer working with us on staff, but she's an extension of Hardawike's ministry in all the world, actually. And so I'm always thankful to have her back. I've asked her to pray for us today. Good I'll to see you. I'll always be on staff. <laughs> She'll always be with us, I love it here.
1: It's my church, and you're my people. You're my family, so. But I am truly, I truly appreciate Pastor Bill invited me to join with you every so often, and um, it means a lot to me to spend some time with you. So, and by the way, the Lions game, I'll take you to the Saints, right? Oh, maybe, maybe. Nobody heard that, right? It's not online, it's not anywhere out there, no promises made. So, but anyway, it's good to be here. Let's pray together, shall we? We begin. With Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. As we rejoice in this gift of a new day, so may the light of your presence, O God, set our hearts on fire with love. As we trust and we lean and we acknowledge you, Today we pause to give you thanks for the creation's splendor as we once again embrace the changing of the seasons. Whether it be the bright sunflower, the beautiful pumpkin, the wonderful peaches or apples, the dahlias, and the sun going down just a little bit earlier each night. May we take what we seem as ordinary and realize just how extraordinary it truly is for things great and small, beautiful and awesome, for seen and unseen wonders. God of mercy and of hope, be with us today. We have gathered here to learn of your will for us. Through each of our unique gifts and passions, may we boldly put into practice the good news of compassionate love, often making sacrifices we really don't want to, as sometimes it's really tough to be inconvenienced. Our hearts are filled with situations concerning family and friends, our workplace, our social circle, and our finances. We are deeply concerned about our neighborhoods, our city, our nation, and our world. When worries and fear overtake us, forgive us for our lack of commitment and our faith. Heal us of our greed and our fears and we seek your healing mercies and patience for these situations. As we have something, we all have something that we are dealing with. Help us to remember that your grace and compassion is offered to each one of us, all of your children. Help us to always remember that we will never look into the eyes of someone that you don't love deeply. Give us strength and courage to display this in the way that we live, whatever arena you have placed us in. We give thanks for the beginning of the new fall season with the start of so many classes and activities for our children and our youth. We give thanks for their energy, their curiosity, for their startling frankness and their tenderness and their abundant authenticity. They have so much to teach us. We pray, for two, for the many adult opportunities that will be offered as we come together in small groups to learn and to grow and to support each other. And we pray for the numerous, numerous volunteers who continue to, to lead us um, and to teach us. May our sole focus always be that of bringing you glory and honor in all that we think, do, and say. We pray for the many within our community who are struggling with illness, with discouraging diagnoses, anxiety, discouragement, and grief. We know that each person here has come into this place with a prayer on their heart. For all those unspoken prayers we ask, too, that you hear from our hearts, that we pray honestly and openly with you. Loving God of peace, on this anniversary of September 11 even as i just i just rode by wakazoo school and the and the amazing reminder with all of the flags out in front this is a day of unbelievable sorrow comfort those who yet mourn and guard guide our hearts toward healing and hope remind us of the love of christ which leaped through all of the cultural and the ethnic boundaries to feed the hungry to seek the lost and to care for the least May it always be our goal to unite together in your name, bound together in the work of justice and peacemaking. Make us one with a light that shines in the darkness and illumines a path toward understanding and reconciliation. Let love be our genuine call. Thank you that you cover and embrace this fallen world. Thank you for this grace that flows endlessly to us each day. Lord, we celebrate your amazing love as we lay our burdens down at the foot of the cross. Thank you that we can breathe in the resurrection life. Thank you that we are fully redeemed and we are fully restored. Lord, today we drink in once again the hope of eternal life and the promise of heaven. And finally, open our hearts and our minds to the power by the power of the Holy Spirit as the scriptures are read and as the word is proclaimed through Pastor Bill this morning. Almighty God, increase our faith as we experience your grace and receive the guiding power of your loving spirit as together in one voice we pray the prayer that you taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name.
0: At this point, I'm going to ask the kids if they would come forward and just kind of join me here on the front seat um, so we can see some things together. Any going to come? Yeah, don't leave me alone. Come on up. Okay, Leo. I love this. Here we go. You get to sit with us. Thank you, Miss Malan. We're all good here, guys. We're not alone. And now, Mary and Janet as well. Have a seat. This is a time in our service where we like to take a moment and kind of spend a special time with you. We'll do a different thing each week. Um, This week, I want to do the first video from our new sermon series about the story. We're going all the way through the Bible. Um, We'll have these to look at through the course of the year or other things that we do. But this lets all of us be a part of what you'll be doing in the new class downstairs afterwards. So let's see if we can play the video and hear what uh, we have.
2: At the beginning, the earth was a dark, empty blob. God spoke and created the entire world. Light, sky, fish, birds, and animals. Then God said, let us make human beings in our own image, and created man out of dirt. And the man became a human being named Adam. After six days of work, God took a rest. God then put Adam in a garden where there were two trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God told Adam, eat from any tree except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat from it, you will die. Eventually, God caused the man to fall asleep, took out one of his ribs and created a woman who Adam named Eve. God joined Adam and Eve together in marriage. Later, a serpent came and convinced Adam and Eve to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, saying they would become like God if they did. Eve took a bite, and then so did Adam. Because of this choice, God cursed the serpent as well as Adam and Eve and forced them out of the garden, away from the tree of life. Outside the garden, Adam and Eve had two sons, Cain and Abel. Cain was a farmer and Abel was a shepherd. When they made sacrifices, God accepted Abel's sacrifices of animals, but not Cain's sacrifice of crops. This made Cain so angry that he murdered Abel. People began to populate the entire earth and wickedness and tragedy continued to spread. God was sad and regretted ever making human beings and decided to wipe them from the face of the earth. God found one man, Noah, who walked faithfully. So God instructed Noah to build a giant boat called an ark and to take his entire family along with the male and female of every kind of animal onto the boat. For 40 days it rained and the entire earth was flooded, wiping out every living thing, plants, animals and humans, of it destroyed. Eventually the flood stopped and the ark came to rest on dry land. Noah and his family came out of the ark and God made a promise that the entire earth would never again be completely flooded. God put a rainbow in the sky as a reminder of this promise and God looked for someone who God could use to bless the entire world.
0: like that. That's nine chapters of the Bible all right there for you pretty quick. So that gives a good opportunity for you to think and learn more. You're going to do that in classes. Those of you go down there, adults are going to stay here for this after the service, and then we want to make things available through the course of the week. So thank you for being a part of this, helping us get started. Let me pray for you, and then I'll send you out. Jesus, we give you praise and thanks that you have not left us alone. You've given us the Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit, you lead us deep into the written word that we might sense and see and hear and know with eyes of faith. We pray that you guide all of us in the fullness of your good work. Thank you for this day and your goodness. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right. Anybody who's going downstairs with Ms. Janet, others of you, wherever you need to go. Okay, Mary's going to stay. You see, that's one of the things that I love about celebration that we're able to do. Options for everybody, whether the young one's going back, whether the little older than young one's going back to their family, or whether the very young at heart staying in with me. How do you like that? Um, You know, Mary, speaking of Detroit, I I don't know if you were aware last night for Eric Clapton's concert. I mean, y'all are aware that Eric played in Detroit last night? Okay, given that I'm the only one who knows about Eric Clapton in Detroit last night, I thought it was touching that he started off um, with an instrumental version of God Save the Queen. Um, We're aware of that in this moment as well. And I was not there. I would much rather be here with y'all on Sunday than with Eric again on, you know, at a concert in Detroit halfway across the state. But saw that and amazing to think about. We're living through fascinating times. What a transition in all sorts of things. Well, let me tell you just a bit about um, how we're starting with this story. This is what the book looks like. And I've said uh, before, I want to just make sure everybody understands clearly. In this book is the text of the New International Version of the Scripture, But it's been kind of edited with a particular uh, point of letting you read the narrative. They say we've tried to set it up so it reads more like a novel, which is a helpful way. It's got 31 chapters. Today I'll be preaching from chapter number one. Let me see if I can get this up. Yeah, there we go. It's called The Beginning of Life as We Know It readings from Genesis 1 through 4 and then 6 through 9. Next week in chapter 2, um, we'll look at God builds a nation and we'll pick up with those texts in Genesis to follow the story of Abram who becomes Abraham and also a word about Abraham in Romans 4 and Hebrews 11. So by going through that About 20 minutes of reading each week. It kind of gives you a preview of where I will be focusing. Now, I won't preach from all of those chapters, um, but I will take a passage that gets at the heart of things and focus there. So that's what we'll be doing um, across the time. I hope that's uh, clear to you. Again, Mary Lynn was going to be sitting at a table out here after the service. Uh, We've sold all the books we had, but if you'll give us your name, We'll get your copy. $5 is a steal. How's that? Um, There's also resources on our website, heartofwhite.com. Use this as an opportunity to really increase how you're getting grounded and rooted in the Word of God. That's our encouragement is to make disciples, not consumers. You understand the difference there is that I want to empower you to be able to come to the Word prayerfully and let God shape you as He shapes us together. So, um, that's our goal this morning uh, in this first chapter. And Deb, you'll need to now press along. I'll be reading from Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 31. Hear God's word. There's first of all a conjunction of connection, then... and to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground everything that has the breath of life in it i give every green plant for food and it was so god saw that all he had god saw all that he had made and it was very good and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day let's pray O oh lord our god and father we give you thanks for your great love for us Thank you that your wisdom, your workings, your. Uh, all that you give us is just beyond comprehension. And it, yet you've condescended, as it were, to speak into human language that we might understand as a father speaks to an infant, but we might have the understanding we need to say, Daddy to respond in faith to your grace. Thank you that you use the scripture in that amazing way. So Holy Spirit, just as you superintended its writing and its preservation, these texts across centuries, so now be present to help us understand and grow deeply in the things that we need to live to your glory. Thank you for your love and comfort and kindness. Be with us this day, we pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said together, amen and amen. Well, I've entitled this message, The Gospel of God's Grace Begins, because I want to let you know from the very outset, I'm going to read everything in the Bible from this idea that everything is about Jesus. That to read about the creation to read about male and female, to read about the fall, to read about Cain and Abel, to read about the flood, is to learn something that finds its ultimate meaning in Jesus. Now, where did I get that idea? Well, there was once a carpenter who would say to his friends, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, we're reading from Moses today, but we'll get to the prophets. He, that carpenter, explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus is the one who says the way to understand the Old Testament is to understand it in light of him. We cannot read the Old Testament as if the cross had never happened. How would you take the greatest event in all of human divine history and say, put that to the side. Let's try to figure out Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 comes into new clarity of its meaning and purpose when you see it and read it and pray about it through the cross of Christ Jesus would say, you study the scriptures diligently, and because you you do that, because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. So we're reading the initial chapters of Genesis to better understand Jesus and his gospel, not simply to collect facts, opinions, or win arguments. That's going to run throughout this reading of the story. There's an interesting concept that will carry through us. There's going to be what we call the upper story or the upper narrative, the the vertical. And this is that part where the Lord is making himself known. The Lord is a real being, a real God. That is reality, but it's different than ours. So there's the upper story. And there's also what we'll call the lower story, the horizontal, that is within human history. So when you read the Bible in light of the cross, we always have a pursuit of who is God and what is he doing, and how is that working out in human history? And that can be kind of challenging. It can be uh, the thing that we work with week by week, day by day in the course of our lives. I want to tell you the great point and purpose of this is to be able to prayerfully ask, Lord God, what is it that you are calling me to be a part of in your work? Now, I want to tell you something with this upper story, lower story, God at work in confused, broken human world, that can be a little complex. I'll give you this clue. Be skeptical. Indeed, turn off the channel. When somebody says, let me tell you what God is saying, oh, by the way, buy this five DVD set and follow me in, turn those guys off. But to turn them off is not to live in denial. Instead, we need to be asking, where is God at work in our time and in our place? Because he is at work. We need to ask that question wrestle with an answer and hear him lead us into our place in that where is God meeting me in my daily life as you go to school as you're with friends or family where is God meeting you how is he equipping you in what way is he inviting me to join in what he is doing now we need to do that with humility it's possible to get it wrong We need to do it with community. People often help me understand better where God is. We need to do it prayerfully, with a heart to listen. And we need to be focused on the word, the written word that God has given us. But we need to ask, where is God at work in our world, and how do we join that? The Bible will connect this upper story and lower story in a way that's meant to guide us into the current story, if you will. We are living in a dramatically, rapidly, amazingly changing world. In the midst of this world, we need to ask, where is God at work? How do we give our lives to that? I could give you a large number of stories that illustrate this change as I say it. Let me give you just one. Um, Recently, the Archbishop of Canterbury, his name is Justin Welby. That is to say, he's kind of the religious head of the Church of England. He was trying to gather all the Anglicans from the World Communion of Anglicans. Okay, that is to say, every Episcopal and Anglican church on the whole planet. He wanted to gather all of their bishops, and meet together in England. They do that about every decade. They make decisions, they talk. So here is the head of the Anglican Church. In the United States, you're probably aware of the Episcopal Church. There's also the Anglican Church in North America, just all of those Anglicans. And here is what he said of the world Anglican communion that he serves as head. He said, when you look at the World Anglican Communion, the average Anglican is, listen to his description of the average Anglican. Think of what comes to mind for you when you hear Episcopalian. For the head of that church, the average is a woman. Yeah, okay. In her 30s. Hmm. Living in sub-Saharan Africa. That is to say a country like Nigeria or Kenya, and she's living on less than $4 a day. That's the average Anglican on the planet right now. Is that different than you had pictured in your mind? You see, that's what's happening in the lower story because of what God is doing in the upper story. We need to ask, where is God at work? What does that mean for us? How do we join in? I could tell you fascinating things, my own Presbyterian family. You know, there's about 10 different Presbyterian denominations. This morning in the United States, the Presbyterian church that will have the most people in attendance will not be part of the mainline Presbyterian denomination. It'll be part of another one. Hint, it'll be a part of the one I'm part of. It will not be part of the mainline. The pastor will be African-American. 20% of the congregation will be African-American. And they were planted as a new church with the support of a family in Memphis whose daughter was recently kidnapped and killed. I know we read in the newspaper about a billionaire heiress, and she was. But I happen to know her family is deeply involved in planting vibrant, dynamic, Presbyterian urban churches. You see, we need to know what's happening in the lower story where we live and get a sense of where's God at work from here in our life. That's what the scripture is calling us to, friends. As I look at all these different passages this morning and focused in on this one, I want to give you just a couple of key terms to take away. When we look at the creation, I want you to remember the word ordered. That is to say, it's not an accident. It's not chaos being arranged to be something a little better, but often falling back to chaos. No, it's ordered. Now, I understand there's been lots of conversations, certainly in my lifetime, about the mechanics of how this creation was implemented. I said mechanics of how it was implemented. Was it six 24-hour days? Or was it a God-directed sort of evolution over a long period of time? This morning, I'm unveiling one of my contributions to civilization. I'm calling it Pastor Bill's infallible proof regarding the detailed mechanics of God's implementation of his creation, an infallible proof. You're gonna go home with so much more than you ever expected. And it's this, God did not tell us the details because we would not be able to comprehend that magnitude of incomprehensible detail. I'm not sure about the mechanics, and I know that even when we try to reverse engineer the question, because that's in essence what we're doing, ponder that one, when we try to reverse engineer and figure things out with our own limited resources, the details are beyond us. There are some very important things that God, from the vertical you see, wants us to know for living our life in the horizontal. That's it, that is that the world in which we live is not an accident, it is a reflection of an ordered work of God. What we see and live in is not self-directed. The mechanics may be beyond us, but the wonder of science and God's people is the pursuit of deeper understanding. I talked this summer about what a a gospel-centered science would look like, and it would look like just the sort of things that grew out of the Reformation, thinking God's thoughts after him. We want to understand God deeper. That's good. So it's ordered, the six days speaks of that order, ex nihilo, I'll give you that Latin term from time to time. It was not organized from pre-existing matter or chaos. In scripture, God gives us a picture of a time when he was the only thing there was. There was no creation. And then God, in his ordered, and I'll say purposeful to set us up for the next one way, made something out of nothing. We are his. That leads us to the second one, and that is to say purposeful. And God created with two key purposes. Each of these could be a book. Um, You could reduce a book to a sermon. I'm reducing it essentially to a sentence. Oh, I was waiting for a sigh of relief. The purpose for which we were created was to bear the image of God before the fall, people could look at one another and get a clear, deeper sense of what God was like. God is triune. We speak of Father, Son, and Spirit. The three persons of the Godhead commune with each other. It was the intention that in marriage... Male and female might share with life with each other in a way that represents God and who he is. There's something in us that should let the world see something of God. The other thing that is marvelous is, and I'll use the huge theological term, culture making. God has called us, and we see it most clearly before the fall, into the world to offer to God art, Science, commerce, medicine, all the aspects of culture. Care for creation. You see, dominion that he gives us in chapter 2, verse 15, the Lord took man and put him in the garden to work it and to take care of it, does not mean to exploit it. It means that all that surrounds us should flourish, be cultivated and cared for, flourishing, It was God's intention. You see, the illustration of why this is important, and I want to suggest an application, namely the illustration of marriage. For me as a gospel-centered Christian, I'm not simply to ask, what would I like marriage to be? I ask, what is God's purpose? For marriage what did he intend what does that his intention i.e. what does that mean for me now God writes here in the scripture too, 18 through 25 it was not good to be alone uh, it took a unique creation as a suitable partner he would say in verse 24, we read this, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. They become one flesh, that there's something in the coming together of a male and female. I'll let parents explain that, that um, brings a one flesh spiritual union. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's powerful. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. They became one flesh. Note, friends, this is before the fall. This is before sin entered the world and infected God's good creation with brokenness. This is looking into what God intended and his purpose. And another note, every time Jesus is asked about marriage, divorce, human sexuality, Every time he's asked about that, he goes back to this passage, and he wants to talk about the purpose for male and female, and they're coming together. Well, what about this? What about that, Jesus? If it had to do with marriage, with divorce, with human sexuality, he always begins with this passage. So the call for us is to go to that passage and say, what is God's purpose? And how do we live into that? See, the world may come up with different approaches, but for us, God has given us this to pursue. And so my question was not, who will make me happiest? It was, where is God calling me into covenant partnership for life? Two different questions. I will occasionally have someone tell me, oh, they look so wonderful together. He makes her so happy. Well, I'm glad for that. I wanna go on record as being in favor of happiness. And I wanna tell you as a deeply committed husband and father, there have been moments that Mary Lynn has been made happy by me. I mean, you remember about six years ago, don't you? (laughs) Friends, I wanna tell you, we've had a happy marriage. But there's more to our marriage than simply my happiness. And some of you have been married long enough to know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm a better man because a woman joined me in covenant relationship. And it's been about more than just my happiness. See, that's why asking about God's purpose rather than basing it on myself, is so revolutionary and powerful. Friends, I want to tell you at this part of the narrative, God is saying it is good. He looks over everything he made, every purpose he had, every intention as it comes to pass. And he says, it is good. It is very good. And we need to keep this in mind, the imago Dei. We see it in the lives of people even our enemies that's why Jesus I keep coming back to him Jesus tells us to pray for our enemies because they may be enemies but they're marked by the imago dei sin brokenness I have never met a person who was not marked by the image of God and me called to love and care for them this time in the narrative is when the upper and the lower are in harmony I mean, here's a perspective. The upper and the lower stories, the upper and the lower narrative, were in harmony for two chapters. The rest has been a mess. Does that give you an overview of the Bible? It's been God rescuing us from that mess. Because the fourth word I wanna touch is broken. There follows here three stories, the serpent in the garden, Cain and Abel. How'd you like that in the video where he takes the pitchfork and Yikes. That story reminds us of the outworking of sin. It begins brokenness between humanity and God. Adam and Eve disobey God. And so there's brokenness in that vertical relationship. The second story we see with murder between Cain and Abel, brokenness between humans. And then the climax of these three stories to the end of chapter 9, we see in the flood this statement about how the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth, that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Now, take it from me. If you wanna shut down conversation at a social gathering, just gathering, just say, you know, every thought of every heart is wicked all the time. We don't like to hear that. And yet, don't we live in the consequence of that truth? Now, I often try to live in denial or avoidance. And a key way to do that is to never go deep into your heart. I had to learn, be trained to prayerfully navigate the pathways of my heart and realize that sometimes the reason I'm doing something good is so that that person over there will notice and think highly of me. That's a simple example of the way sometimes even our best things are touched by sin and brokenness. Now again, this is a time in the narrative where people often ask me, Pastor Bill, come on, do you really think a snake could talk? Well, let me tell you, if you ask questions like that, all I ask of you is that you make sure you are not just looking to minimize the scripture and avoid the point of this story of having to consider the impact of sin in our own life. See, it's there for a purpose. You may think it's rooted in history. You may not. But the purpose is to remind you, brokenness with God, brokenness with humanity, brokenness to the depth of who we are, that we are broken in every way at the depth of our being in ways that we don't even Understand, like ripples in a pond, we see first this brokenness with God, then among humans, and then finally to the very depths of who we are. Often I think people are just too hearted and proud to see our own brokenness. I had multiple seminary degrees, could read the scripture in the original languages, and had never been actively discipled and had to really dig into my heart and realize that much of what I did was motivated by my desire to prove myself right. God wanted to give that to me because of who Jesus was and what He did on the cross. It was mine to receive as and to live out of. That's the gospel. The final thing in this amazing story, we, uh, I'll give you those three, sorry, gone too quick here, is that we see in the flood and here's the point that we need more than a second chance. Friends, the story of Noah, his family in the flood, again, folks will come to me and say, what about the archeology of the flood? And that's a very fair question. It deserves a lengthy response. I won't give it to you today, but here's a summary of my thinking. I think part of the challenge as we ask an honest question like that is it's not so much what the archeologists have found that can convince us beyond the shadow of a doubt one way or the other. I don't know that the case is irrefutably settled, but there's just enough there to make us wonder You see? So if you're looking for the irrefutable proof one way or the other, not sure it's there. But there's enough that you need to ask about the real point. And here's the real point. The point of the story is not about winning debate about archaeology. Lay that down. It's to show us that we need more than a second chance is to remind us that even when God started all over again, found one family that was righteous in his sight, started all over again, it went bad pretty quickly. I'm not gonna read that part of Noah's story. Gosh, it's awful. So even when God gave a second chance, it wasn't enough. I wanna tell you, God is not offering one more chance for you to try to work by more effort to be good. He's not calling you to better training so that you can perform in new ways. He's not calling you to give your life to the right leaders or that you just need a new start. God isn't offering a second chance. He's offering a new life. That's what Jesus offers from the cross. Decades ago, there was a very prominent Christian leader. I, I won't mention this person's name because actually the story could be played out about 20 times since. That's how sad and broken our world is. But there was a very prominent Christian leader who, with an entrepreneurial gift and capability and a good gospel, a church had grown. He suddenly began to develop a media empire, agencies for missions and relief and all sorts of things, institutions college seminary med school all these sorts of things a huge empire in the lower story serving god well it had been his intention kind of like a monarchy to pass it on to his son but as will happen there was moral failure with the son marriage fell apart remarried not that that's sin that desires a lot more conversation but in this case a quick turn and suddenly the message was about the god of second chances and at first that seemed kind of good because you can always come to god with whatever brokenness you have and he'll always receive you in christ but it wasn't until later that i began to realize god isn't offering second chances He's not offering third chances, or 15th chances, or if you're as old as me and working on the 164th chance for some of the brokenness you wrestle with. What God is offering in the gospel is exchanged life. The righteousness of Christ exchanged for my unrighteousness one for the other, a new birth, a new indwelling power, a new grace that works to the depth of our being and step by step by step, and one day will be complete to make us not highly performing what we've always been, but new creations. The story of Noah and the family is not about starting over again and succeeding. It's about if you start over again with broken people, you will eventually have a broken outcome. The gospel is transformation by grace through faith. It's not perfection by church rules or conformity to culture or voting correctly. It's transformation by God's grace through faith. The world should see a difference in our lives, not because of what we've set ourselves to do and to prove, but because of the indwelling power of a loving and great God. We saw the creation and it was good, but here in the narrative we see the depth of brokenness and finally this last story that tells us not just a second chance, but a new creation. We'll follow on next week. Let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you that you've called us, not simply to do more of the same, but in your mercy, you've offered more than we could ever ask or imagine fire our hope and our uh, imaginations, our dreams, our desires, the depth of our heart to remember the goodness of your creation and purpose and intention. And even as we would be honest and face the, the depth of our brokenness, bring us to a deeper appreciation of what you offer us in Christ not new rules or new behavior or new effort or a second chance to do the same thing, but new life in Christ, your grace offering us our faith receiving. Fill us with great hope, we pray. We thank you for your kindness and goodness to us. Most of all, help us this day and to the end of our days to see at the center of hope and joy and reality, even greater than us, the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are risen and strong and glorious. We give you praise. May our praise be the crown upon your head. For we pray in the mighty name of Jesus and all of God's people said together, amen and amen. Let's stand and sing together to God's glory. Crown him with many crowns. It's... received now the benediction and empowering and blessing to go forth in light of the good news of the gospel. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Do that by baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age.